0: This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today.
1: Okay, I am ready at any time. Same. Of course I say, oh, God, Drew, you're killing me. Let's hope your bully starts No. <laughs> not at all. Hey everybody! I'm Kyle Rizzo. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make the day make sense. Me saying I'm ready without actually being ready is not a new thing on this podcast.
0: <laughs> and I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome everyone. It is Monday, October the 30th, Halloween Eve. Although Halloween is All Hallows Eve, so is the day before Halloween actually Ho- Halloween Eve, All Hallows Eve Eve. Anyway, I think it's, it's All October Hallows October 30th. Eve, Eve. Yeah, yeah, All right. Hallows Eve. Right. Eves. Yeah. Anyway, welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you had a uh, restful weekend if Saturday and Sunday are the weekend for you. And uh, yeah, let's do it.
1: So we'll do the news, some smiles. uh, And as always, it will go in that order. News and then smiles. What do you got? You got two things. I see. Uh,
0: they're kind of the same. Related, uh, so today, yeah. the House GOP, uh, well, specifically the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, uh, released the House GOP's new aid package for Israel's military drive against Hamas, which he has vowed to pass on the floor this week, according to Politico. So you and I have been talking about this for a while. That one of the first things that Mike Johnson was going to need to do is pass, uh, attempt to pass, some sort of uh, aid for Israel and or Ukraine. Uh, The Biden administration has, you know, suggested a supplemental appropriations bill that had funding for Israel, funding for Ukraine, border security, because there's no way the conservatives would vote for anything without it, um, along with some humanitarian aid uh, dollars. Now, what is happening is that the Republicans in the House are trying to strip out And do separately the aid for Israel apart from the aid from Ukraine, which is not making uh, their counterparts in the Senate, including Mitch McConnell, Mm -hmm. very happy. And also uh, they are trying to do this by cutting funding to the IRS, which, as we uh, discussed last week with that whole revenue Mm -hmm. conversation, is um, not necessarily the most, uh, let's say, Evidence-backed strategy to save money in the federal government. <laughs> oh, was that diplomatic enough? <laughs> that was very good.
1: That was very good. Thank that you. Good.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's unlikely to pass the Senate for sure. But I'm not even sure if it's going to get through the House. Uh, yeah. But it is the first sort of big initiative uh, by uh, Representative. Johnson as Speaker of the House, and that is useful. And one thing I did want to say about, you know, funding for the wars in Israel as well as Ukraine, this money isn't just going to these countries' governments to allow them to spend money to right. pay their soldiers or whatever. A lot of this money ends up being routed back to the United States in the form of contracts to defense contractors. Um, those bullets, those missiles, um, and those resources, drones, even even things like tanks, uh, come from someone somewhere, usually the United States, usually U.S. defense contractors. And because the... Because Congress has not passed their spending bills yet, what the Pentagon has been doing is pulling resources from the U.S. stockpile of weapons and ammunition to send to Ukraine, to send to Israel, because they don't have the authority to spend more money on this stuff. So they're pulling from our own stockpiles, which means the defense contractors are going to be making more money off the U.S. government as we replenish those stockpiles and then also potentially making money off of Israel and Ukraine from their own purchases of weapons and ammunition using United States taxpayer funds. And therefore, there's an article that I have for the show notes in Reuters about how a U.S. defense contractors, I'm just going to read it here. U.S. defense contractors such as Lockheed Martin, General Dynamic, and others expect that existing orders for hundreds of thousands of artillery rounds, hundreds of Patriot missile interceptors, and a surge in orders for armored vehicles expected in the months ahead will underpin their results in the coming quarters. They're expecting to be making a lot more revenue in this Mm -hmm. quarter. So there's that. Yep.
1: It is – It is. Uh, look, this is a terrible thing to say. War is big business. It's huge business, right?
0: It's I mean, very profitable. It just
1: is. Yeah.
0: And I have to say it's uh, um, always yeah. struck me how literally as soon as we got out of Afghanistan, as soon as we okay. got out of, out of Afghanistan, because I was like, man, what are all the defense contractors going to do now? That was their cash cow for 20 years and then immediately to Ukraine and immediately now yep. um, to Israel. So – right. Always right. business.
1: It is, it, it is a business opportunity, which is just horrible, but it, but it just is. It's grim. Uh Sort of related, actually. Uh, J.P. Morgan's out with a with a with an estimate of the um, hit to the uh, Israeli economy that this war is going to do. 11 percent annualized in the last three months of this year, which is a lot. 11 percent is a big drop. To be clear, they're only talking, though, about October through December. Overall, the Israeli economy is still expecting to grow. 2% this year, maybe two and a half. Um, but this is going to be a big hit. And it's been a big hit in the stock market. It's down 11%. The shekel is at 13-year lows, 12-year lows. Um, and the longer this drags out, the worse it gets. And with all of this will come at the valuation of the shekel. As I said, it's going to come some inflation as well. So the Israeli economy, which is very tech-heavy, very advanced, could be um, maybe not doing so great for a while as this war drags on. And as Netanyahu said, I think today, tonight in Israel, this will be a long war. I mean, he said it before, but um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's not going to be great.
0: It's kind of astonishing, though, when you think about it, that that is the only hit, right? Because a lot of it, a lot of Israel's economy is just chugging along as, you know, Gaza is being leveled. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was listening on NPR this morning, you know, these thousands and thousands of people killed um, by the airstrikes and the communications cut off. And it's so strange, this dichotomy of these two economies right next to each other that are so different. And the fact that the hit to Israel is only going to be, and and, and I'm not saying 11% is not a big hit, it's huge if you're talking about just like a regular economy, but an economy at war, and Mm -hmm. then an economy that's basically going away.
1: Yeah, I I was just, that's exactly where I was going to go. I don't think you can say there's a Gaza economy right now, right? Right. I think no. it has been been pulverized. I think unemployment is is within a percentage point or two of 100%. Um, yeah. and 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 that's their reality there and it's it's I mean all of this is horrible, but the uh, the idea that so there's bad. a Palestinian economy in Gaza right now is is not grounded in fact. For sure. For yeah. sure. Anyway, shall we? All right. Let us really go.
0: need those smiles now. Yes. um never tire of reading articles about the war of the worlds radio you, broadcast right? yeah. and you know i've listened to it several times over the years it's it's always great but you know there's this bbc article and just <laughs> I'm just going to read the sort of blurb at the top. On October 30th, 85 years ago, the population of the U.S. was, according to Orson Welles, overwhelmed by mass panic, terrified by the all-too-real broadcast of his alien invasion drama, The War of the Worlds. And the director recounts his version of of events in an interview, excuse me, from the BBC Archive. A couple of things from that interview that I didn't actually know, and I'm kind of embarrassed about it, I didn't realize it was a retelling of an older story by H.G. Wells, uh, The oh. War of the Worlds. I, I didn't know that. I I thought that hmm. was always, I guess because they're both Wells, I just kind of it blurred together mm-hmm. in my brain. But that was an 1898 uh, story um, by H.G. Wells. Also, in this BBC article, they're saying that Orson Welles, as well as newspapers at the time, had an incentive to make it seem like the panic was more widespread than it actually was. And a lot of researchers who look back at this were like, yeah, most people knew it was an act. They weren't all that freaked out. There may have been some people and enough people calling in to bother, like to fill up radio lines and to deploy the cops because the cops did end up in the studio like, Stop what you're doing. But apparently newspapers at the time viewed radio as a medium, as such a threat that they wanted to demonstrate that this was an example of how That's irresponsible fun. radio was and like, see, look, you can't trust radio because they had all these people believing that we were invaded by aliens and newspapers would never do such a thing. Cough, yellow journalism. Um, right. But anyway, <laughs> your video went awake, hi? Huh? Oh, there you are. Not right here, so... Uh, so yeah, that's all right. So anyway, I thought that was a really interesting story, and I think I'm gonna go back and listen to it again just just for fun. It's it's so cool. Yeah. Oh, and and Wells yeah. liked the, the the drama as well because it meant more attention for him, and you know, who doesn't like celebrity? And, who doesn't? Well, many of us don't, but he did. <laughs>
1: well. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. your well, well, smile? Actually. All right. Yeah. So mine is one of those smile, but not a real smile thing. So, story in the New York Times today, the headline of which reads How Trump's Verbal Slips Could Weaken His Attacks on Biden's Age. And this made me smile, legit smile, because, and I'm on the record on this podcast about uh, how I feel about the former president and his respect for democracy and the threat he poses to the Republic. But this is the first in my memory piece in which the New York Times, the newspaper of record, the But Her Emails newspaper, the newspaper that ran a story about six weeks ago about how Biden was slipping and falling, and that could be a problem for his election uh, prospects. This is the first time I think that the paper has pointed out that Donald Trump rambles incoherently and says uh, non sequitur things. So yay that, that they're finally getting on board with, you know, the truth. But then you read the headline, And you read the subhead, and I'll read it to you. How Trump's verbal slips could weaken his attacks on Biden's age. Verbal slips? Really? Is that what we're going to call them? In the subhead. Hmm. Donald Trump, 77, has relentlessly, relentlessly attacked President Biden, 80, as too old for office. Fine so far. But it goes on. The former president himself has had a series of gaffes, gaffes, that go beyond his usual freewheeling style. Well. Hmm. Okay. Gaffes? I don't think so. Freewheeling style? I don't think so. Anyway, I just, it's good that they're finally doing it, but holy cow, could we not euphemize and soft pedal and oh my goodness. It's killing me. That's it. That's what I get.
0: What do you think they should have said?
1: Like- I think they should have said lies, right? Mm-hmm. And they could have said things like instead of bombast, they are, sorry, usual freewheeling style, they, they, act, they literally should have said incoherent style, right? Because mm-hmm. if you watch videotape of the guy who said Obama was going to get us into World War II, think about that. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what else to say. Just watch yeah. the videotape. I just think it soft pedals a really relevant part of the political discussion right now. Look, Joe Biden is too old for the office. Yes, he's smart. Yes, he's sharp. Yes, all of those things. But there is more to the office of the President of the United States than being able to have a serious debate, right? He's just, it's, come on. And Donald Trump has his problems too. And if the paper's going to call out Biden for slipping, I think they ought to say not gaffes, but actual lies. That's it. I, you know. Okay. Please, write it in. Make me smart at marketplace.org. Let me know what you think of my blather. They could have said that, too. I he think blathers.
0: Could have said, you do not blather, Kai. You, you make cogent points. Well, um, but those are all of the points for today. So Those are uh, all the points for today. The, yes.
1: Those are, are all on the points
0: point. for today. No more points, Uh, but you can join us tomorrow for our weekly deep dive um, because uh, we want to go somewhere else. Uh, We're going to continue our series on climate solutions because the rest of this stuff is, I mean, that is also grim, but at least we're going to talk about solutions to climate change. Well, not to climate change, but at least how we can adapt to it. Anyway, solutions to climate change. Um, Our next topic is hydrogen. Um, You may have heard reporting on Marketplace and elsewhere about these hydrogen hubs that were announced all over over the country Mm -hmm. was it last week week before Um, and so hydrogen is something that burns without producing co2 in the process of producing energy or you don't get co2 emissions you may get co2 emissions in the process of getting the hydrogen but that's a side thing anyway we're going to get into why the biden administration is putting a lot of money towards the technology and why some experts are pretty hesitant to call it clean energy
1: Till then, and as always, keep the questions and the comments coming. You can reach us at makeme at marketplace.org. 508 UB Smart is uh, the way you can dial the phone. That's 508 ubsmart SMART. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's program was engineered by Drew Jostad. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Our intern is Neil Farshabandi.
0: Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director
1: of digital. By the way, what happened to all your Costco boxes? They're still there. All right, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just going to do this because Bridget asked the same thing last week. Sorry, I'm just entering full screen. I do love your fluffy
0: backrest, though, that almost blends into the wall. (laughs) All right,
1: so the Costco boxes. I'll just give the full tour here. Just keep the video going. Okay. So there's the Costco okay. boxes on top of 30-year-old dining room chairs that we use when we have people over. Uh, there's okay. a collapsed bookshelf. And okay. there's the fluffy thing. There's the Degas uh-huh. print that my wife and I got in 1994 at the Met in New York. There's uh, mm-hmm. the little, you know, bunker that Sculler built me that I've never used. Uh, and mm. there's – oh, we shouldn't show Sculler this – there's the paper. There's the plastic bag covering the equipment because we have a leak in the roof of the shed. And, yeah, no, I know. And can you see it? There's the bucket back there under the leaky roof. So there, you know, like it's a shed, people. It's a shed. It's a shed.